0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 270. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much as always for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by my new obsession, which you've probably heard me talk about and rave about before. I've already had two of them today and planning my third after I record this intro. It is Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic has a bunch of different drinks with superfoods infused in them. So not only are you enjoying things like mochas like I like to do or other types of drinks like teas, et cetera, but once you're drinking them, you're also getting the benefits of these uh, magical mushrooms, not magic mushrooms like the you know, hallucinogenic kind, but superfood mushrooms that have a lot of benefits for your body. What I love, even though the superfoods are great, is just literally the taste. I enjoy this coffee so very much. It's half the caffeine of regular coffee. There's no jitters, there's no crash, and there's no stomach issues, which are all the things that I don't like about regular coffee. And like I said, it has half the caffeine, so that means I get to, or choose to, drink about double what I would otherwise. But that's just me, because I love it that much. I'd love to see if you would like to try it. And if you're not a coffee person, that's totally fine. There are cacaos and teas and other drink mixes you can add to other things like smoothies for superfood blends as well. Go over to check them out over at foursigmatic.com slash lively. My personal mocha recommendation is the mushroom coffee with cordyceps mixed with the mushroom hot cacao mix. That's my current go-to. I love this one so much and I hope you try it. And it's been fun to see you guys' pictures on Instagram as well of you guys giving it a shot. You can use the discount code lively for 15% off your order. I hope you love it as much as I do. Now for where I am, I'm in Sydney again, continuing to work on The Secret Project. I'm excited to be sharing it here on The Lively Show pretty soon. And in the meantime, I've also been enjoying other parts of Sydney like Cronulla as well and exploring all of the beautiful beaches and the other little cafes and restaurants that I have not yet tried over in my area, which is near the downtown or the CBD, Central Business District as well. So it's been fun to keep exploring and also working on The Secret Project. In today's episode, we have our number one most repeated guest. This is Brooke Castillo. She is back on the show for episode number four of Brooke. You guys know Brooke most likely if you've been listening for a while. Brooke is a life coach and the founder of the Life Coach School and the Life Coach School podcast. I love me some Brooke, most of you love yourself some Brooke too, so this is going to be a real treat for us all. This is over an hour of conversation with Brooke. It's so fun to get to catch up with her and share about our learnings and what we are taking away. In this episode, we're doing a deep dive into the seemingly impossible goal she set for herself of reaching a $10 million business. She said it was impossible and she decided to try in the impossibility. So we're going to talk about how she did that and what steps and mindset shifts she made, as well as diving into a lot of other interesting emotion and thought subjects and kind of concepts that we both use in our own work day to day and in our personal lives. Let's go to the show. Brooke, thank you for coming on the show again. Oh my gosh, you know it's my pleasure. I love having you and so does everyone else. I was speaking with my Flow With Intention members and someone in the class I worked with one-on-one said, I'm also in Brooke's coaching method. And she's like, I'm so excited to be merging what you're sharing with what she's sharing and making this program for herself. And it was so cool. And I was like, guess what? Brooke's coming on the show tomorrow. And she freaked out. So thank you so many people love our
1: conversations because, and it's funny, I get a lot of feedback. They like us talking because we don't always agree on everything. So we're not like always just yesing each other. And I love that about talking with you too. It's like, we both love each other and love everything we talk about. And yet we have different perspectives on it sometimes. So I think that's great, but I just want to kind of bring everyone up to speed on how this conversation just happened. (laughs) So it's like, Brooke, you have to come on the show. And I'm like, yes, I think I said, what are we going to talk about? What did you say?
0: Okay, so here's the thing. I've been doing these series of... Interviews and in that series title is called LOA QA, Law of Attraction QA. Now, when I do that, it might be me answering listener questions and maybe having someone who's also been super deeply into this, like myself. Uh, Aaron Doty is an example that's coming on the show as well or has recently been. So he's studied it deeply. And then I'll get people on that have no idea really what it is, like Pat Flynn. And I'll say, Pat, let's come talk about Law of Attraction. Just, just listen to me a little bit. And like, and let's like, let's discuss how this is actually influenced your life and other lives you've seen in business, for example. So you said, hey, let's talk about
1: I said, let's talk about me making $10 million. You said that sounds great.
0: Yes, that sounds great. Let's come on. All right. So excited to talk about this because this is something that I find, at least with my flow members, the audience is obviously wider than the flow with intention online community, but I'll say in the flow community, I've got a lot of members that have a lot of flow and non-resistance to finding a partner, but they often have the career piece of it that they're most interested in evolving or transforming in their lives. And of course, when they're transforming their career or starting something, income is attached to that. So having you on about this subject and you being so aware of the law of attraction and all of these things too, it's really exciting for me.
1: Yeah. A lot of people will say to me that I'm just very practical, which is really funny to me because I'm so woo on the underneath. But I think my presence and the way I talk about it is less of the woo. I don't know what the right word is. You use Joe. <laughs>
0: I outed Joe to you on this show and everybody has now loved that. I thought that'd be like a little passing comment that (laughs) would go under the rug. No, it's become like everybody's like, let's hear from Joe. Like, what does Joe say about this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, man, Joe's like the most famous thing I don't understand in my life. (laughs) I love
1: it. I love it.
0: So I'm
1: very spiritual, very wooish. I believe in the magic and all of that. I just, I think I approach it in a pretty practical way. So I love talking to you because you're so much more knowledgeable about like all of the scientific philosophy underneath it, all the physics and all that stuff, which I feel like you're so much smarter than me when we talk about. But I just nod and wave
0: <laughs> anything you say. I bet I could find an Abraham Abraham underpinning that like, even if people would say, oh, Jess and Brooke, and I do think we have a little bit of variation, like you've said, but I do also think that I can twist whatever you do into Abraham anyways. <laughs> so I could probably make us completely overlap, but you would just have a maybe different approach to the language and the thought process. But I would say that the physics underneath it is probably still totally very similar.
1: Very. And you know, I studied Abraham and I love Joe Dispenza. We love all the same people. So what's interesting about my relationship with Abraham and all of the recordings that I've listened to from them, I was thinking about this the other day, I think it was, it's been almost 10 years where I was listening to Abraham talk about just how you have to, you know, they say attracting a button is the same as attracting a castle. And I remember thinking like, what would it be like to win the lottery? I kept thinking about this concept, like what is the experience of having a million dollars, having $10 million? What would that feel like as a vibration in my body? And I really went about studying it. And one of the things that I noticed about me versus many other people that I spoke with is that when other people would win the lottery, I would be so excited for them. And I would like want to like learn everything I could about what was their experience like when they won the lottery. And what I noticed about a lot of people around me is that they would be mad or upset that that person had won the lottery and they hadn't, right? They're like, Oh yeah, great. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting because I'm getting more aligned with this person and you're resisting this person and I want to be more like them. And what I was noticing, too, is that a lot of people have this resistance towards, quote unquote, rich people, wealthy people, right? People that have millions and millions of dollars. And I was always kind of taking my lessons from Abraham and trying to align with what is it? That somebody has in their vibration that is attracting that money to them. And I think the big difference for me in doing that study, and that was just a personal study that I was doing, is that I recognized that having any amount of money in your life, it's not just about what you're doing. It's about how you are literally vibrating.
0: I think that's completely fascinating, and I've also found for myself, I've thought a lot about this in a slightly different area, that being Instagram and body image, and it's interesting because there's been so much, and I'm not saying there's anything against body acceptance and celebrating all shapes and sizes. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think that sometimes that can also vilify or push aside people that have photogenically beautiful standard, you know, cisgender bodies or whatever you want to call that, right? So with someone that is looking like that, they kind of, I notice that sometimes it can push against that. And I think that lowers people's resistance to the self-hatred or whatever they're choosing to feel of their own body based on someone else's body, which has nothing to do with them. I think that the consciousness level, it sometimes feels better to celebrate someone that looks more like you than to celebrate someone that doesn't look more like you because your ego is really getting involved. And if you could just really go beyond all of that stuff and just not even care about celebrating any body, why does a body need to be celebrated? First of all, like, and just focus on yourself. But I notice I used to have more feelings of insecurity around, let's say, for example, body or for any example, like people that go on Instagram and feel worse off because they're looking at someone. In any way that they're doing that, what they're doing is vibrating, just like you said, about the people that win the lottery and feel worse off rather than better off because it's also possible for them.
1: Totally. And I think these are very interesting, very aligned things where it's like, whenever I say it, I'm always kidding with my team. I'm like, isn't the whole point of life just to be skinny and rich? Right? Isn't that what we're all working towards? And I kind of joke about it, but I also think that those things are both vilified. Right? So, it's almost like if you are thin or if you are rich, that somehow you've sold yourself out or you've done something kind of against spirituality or against consciousness. And I think I'd love to hear, and I I think your listeners would love to hear our conversation about what is the difference between, you know, this deep level of spirituality and consciousness and being aware and money, are they aligned or not? What do you think?
0: I think money is just energy. And if you can align yourself without resistance towards it and you allow it to flow through your life, because I have really, I don't have, we're gonna talk about the result you have gotten, which is essentially winning the lottery and in your own way. And I would guess, even though I'm not obviously vibrating at the level you're at, because I have not had the same results you have, I am very close, I would guess, because I feel completely unlimited as a person in terms of my financial state of being. So even though the number's not where yours is, I feel probably very similar, I would guess, because I really do feel this sense of like, there's no limitation for what I want and what I have access to. And that is just the most amazing feeling. And it's been so interesting to look at why that area of my life, which was not always the case, I can go into that later if we care to, That was not my business career for the first 10 years of my life. But once I sunk in to the unconditional alignment of alignment in my career, that's when all of the financial situation shifted and shifted and shifted into this amazing direction. And I've now noticed, oh my gosh, Jess, you're so good at doing it there. If you could do this with body visualization, if you could do this with, for example, my skin, these are the ego triggers that I have, or even relationship, which has been something I've massively upgraded all of these recently in recognizing what did I do in the career that was different in these other areas? What is the difference? So anyways, yeah. And to go back to skinny and rich guys, what we're really saying is you create your own reality and to block yourself from something that you believe that you actually want because it's not quote unquote spiritual, that's just a story your ego's telling. Your intuition will guide you. If the ego is telling you an inauthentic desire, your, your intuition will guide you to that awareness. But at the same time, we don't have to vilify the desires that we do want because they're just part of the creation in the sandbox. And that can include our bodies. That can include money. It doesn't mean they're not involved in that as well.
1: Yeah. And here's how I distinguish them. And I think this is really important if you're thinking about it. First of all, I think that there's probably people listening to us that are super annoyed. They're like, Oh, so you just think abundance and you have lots of money. I remember listening to people talk like that. And I was like, okay, could someone give me a, like, what do I do to do that?
0: You came on the show. I remember, I think it was you like years ago, like first episode that you came on. And I think, did you say something along the lines of like, yeah, it's not just about thinking it. You've got to take action. Yeah. Okay. So what is your current awareness or thought on it now? You for sure
1: have to take action is my belief about it. And the reason I say that is because let me go back really quick to, I want you to distinguish if you want to make a million dollars, if you want to make a hundred thousand dollars, if you want to make $10, what matters is I think what's really important, what will create your vibration to attracting that is the reason why you want it. And this is what so many people come to me and they're like, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars because when I make a hundred thousand dollars, then I will feel abundant. Then I will feel good. And of course, we tell them the opposite is true. It's like you have to feel the abundance now. You have to feel how it is that you think that will make you feel, you feel it now, and then you attract it. It doesn't work the other way. It absolutely doesn't work the other way. And if you try and suffer your way to, you know, a thinner body, or if you try to suffer your way to money, thinking that money will solve that suffering, you will be sorely disappointed because like you said, money is just money. It just sits there. It doesn't do anything. It can't do anything for you. So that's the first thing you need to identify. What does your wanting feel like? If you're wanting feels like scarcity, if you're wanting feels like a problem that needs to be solved, you're going to try and suffer your way to wealth, which will not work.
0: Yeah. Thirstiness is the word we use here on the show. If you feel thirsty for it, because people know that feeling physically. Yes. And the thing about thirsty that's so great
1: is you know that there's water that can solve it. You're not like thirsty for no reason. And I think that I think that is key. Wanting something when you believe you can have it is so much fun. Wanting something that you don't believe you can have is such. A bummer. Now, here's the thing: if you want something and you believe you can have it, then the action you take to create it—and you and I might disagree—so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. The action, and I've always been very action-oriented, so I think that's I bring this to my interpretation of law of attraction. You will be so motivated and fueled by your abundance and by your excitement that you will create the money by your action, but your action won't feel like drudgery and pain and hustle. So if you feel exhausted, in the journey towards your wealth, if you feel completely depleted and burnt out, I think you're doing it wrong. I really genuinely do. I think the journey towards wealth and abundance and whether it's your, like you said, your body or some other relationship they're trying to attract, if the process feels amazing, then the end result will feel amazing. If the process feels terrible, the end result will most likely not give you what you think it will.
0: Absolutely. That's Abraham 101. I think I'm going to figure out and elucidate how we are different, but actually the same. All right. So to build on what you just said there, what you said, if it doesn't feel good, I don't think it's worth it or it's not worth the end result or it's not going to happen. That Abraham says it as you don't get a happy ending to a journey that's not also happy.
1: Oh, yes. Totally agree.
0: So that is another way of putting what you just said. Now, this is something with the friends here on the show know about the rhino. The rhino is someone I was dating and now I'm good friends with here in Sydney. Now, he and I are similar and different in our approaches to law of attraction. Obviously, I've studied this a lot more than he has, but he's very into it and he's trying to apply this in his own career. And he has a temperament. we call the difference between us the rhino versus the unicorn. Now, these are just made up terms. We're not trying to make these actual things, but it kind of helps elucidate the difference. And I think you might have more rhino tendencies. And Myleek Teal is also a great friend of mine. I think she has more rhino tendencies than myself. I'm a little more unicorn. Now, what that means is the rhino is like someone who's very grounded, someone very practical in the real world. And these people that have that tendency, my friend Erica Gellerman, who's been on the show also people know, she's also got rhino tendencies. I love a rhino. I mean, I have friends that are unicorns and they're great, but There's also a part of me that's been a rhino because that's what I was raised by was rhinos. And I like the dependability of a rhino. There's just so many great things about rhinos, but they enjoy action and the results that come from their actions. The unicorn side of things is a little more magical, a little more mystical, a little bit more in the non-physical. So the actions for me that I get the most joy out of is seeing how much can I leverage my consciousness to create my reality rather than my physical actions. So when I'm looking at the law of attraction and I looked at the photoelectric effect by Einstein because I'm weird like that and I'm looking at the quantum and tying it to what Abraham, says, that's just my favorite thing to do, Let's go, oh, well, this is the interpretation on the physical side. So when I watch the photoelectric effect, as an example, it says that the leveraging of the frequency is what causes energy to move more than the intensity. They were using photons and light, and I'm not going to get into the science of it. I've already done an episode on it. We'll link it in the show notes if you're interested in hearing it. But what he found was that instead of blasting more intensity of light to get the photon to move, he found that the frequency of the wave of light was most important. Then the intensity was a factor. So what you're doing is getting into alignment and then taking your actions. But as someone who's more Rhino personality, you really enjoy and get a lot of juice out of the actions you're taking that feel so good. Where for me, I looked at it and was like, look, if it's a frequency that's really the leveraging factor here, if that's the fulcrum, I want to turn that baby up as high as possible and see how much can I just do it for fun? Because it's most fun to me to see how little action I can take and get a result that's amazing. Does that make sense? Now, the rhino would not enjoy my process as much as he enjoys his actions he's taking alongside of the emotion. But for me, I'm just getting more joy from just focusing on how much can I use and leverage this emotion in and of itself?
1: Well, here's what's interesting about that. So the hardest I ever worked in my business was to make $100,000. That's the hardest, most time consuming, most number of hours, most hustle, most grind that I ever did. The least amount of effort, the least amount of work that I'm doing is to create $10 million.
0: And you've done that. So for everyone, that's a success. That is very aligned.
1: And that's what's so fascinating. So, and I think I've talked about this on your show before, but I understand it now in such a deeper way. And I think it's much more aligned with what you're talking about is when I have a coach that I'm training and they say to me, you know, I'm making $100,000 or $300,000. At that point, you can't work any harder to make more money. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have maxed out your ability to take action.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Explain that because I think a lot of people are going, what? How is that
1: possible? Okay. So like, for example, it's like you can only coach so many clients. You can only do so much network marketing. You can only run so many ads. You can only do so much to build that much money. Now you can hustle your way to a even to 300000 Now my clients that come to me that are making $300,000 by hustling, they don't look well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, they're draining their adrenal fatigue. They're out of heart brain coherence. I, all the science is not supporting their behavior.
1: Yes. And they're being fueled by that scarcity, right? So the vibration that's generating that energy, that action is actually depleting them and not energizing them. So what I tell them is if you want to make a million dollars, there's no way you can plan that. How? in steps and action steps that you want to. And here's why that matters. And this is for all of you guys that are listening that really wanna make, you know, a lot of money just because you can, just because you have consciousness, just because it's easy to do so, and you understand energetically how the world works. That's why I think making money is super fun. There's nothing else I need to buy. I mean, seriously, once you've made $300,000 a year, what else are you gonna buy? Nothing. I mean, unless you're like into diamonds, which I'm not, like, what are you gonna buy, really?
0: A jet or a bigger house, I guess. A jet. I don't know. I just like came up with that. That was actually someone from last night's call. She said, when I fly into my jet, (laughs) I was like, oh, I've never even thought about that. You know what I thought? I don't want to have a jet. Well, I'm thinking about this now. I would never. I would just rent a jet. Why would I want to own one?
1: (laughs) Here's my thing on a jet. This is a little side note. I want to be able to travel with my dogs and my dogs are too big to go under the seat in a commercial plane. So I want to be able to rent a jet that will take my dogs and that isn't one of those little prop planes, right? It has to be a big enough plane that I can take my dogs and travel with them.
0: Can you get a cashmere blanket? Because to me, all the movies I see, they're all in these beautiful jets and they have these cashmere blankets on their laps. And I'm like, that's the sign for me. I've made it. I guess I never wanted it. But if I had that jet, Brooke, I want the cashmere blanket.
1: (laughs) But here's the thing that's so interesting. And one of the things that I think is the most mystical, magical thing that I've learned by being ambitious and successful, which is so fascinating, right? So I have learned that you can't work your way past $300,000. And people say, Oh, you just have to be smart. You just have to be strategic. I do not think that is true. So let me tell you the story about my $10 million. I decided to write a statement. I actually think this statement came from rereading the success principles, which are Jack Canfield, which of course Jack Canfield's a huge fan of Abraham. And he says to write, I'm pretty sure this is where I got it. I wrote on a piece of paper my intention for my business in making $10 million. And I wrote it on a piece of paper. And at the time, I might as well have been saying, I would like to turn into a pink unicorn. <laughs>
0: Like the rhino that's like, I'm going to be a unicorn. Yeah, I'm going to start flying. $10 million just sounded like
1: that's just not even the realm of possibility. I set it on my bedside and I would look at it and I'd be like, oh, that was kind of a cool idea I used to have. That's what I would think. And I wasn't like consciously trying to believe it, but I didn't move that piece of paper either. And I said it would be by the time I was 45 years old, which is really fascinating because I'm 45 years old. And so I kept looking at it and kept thinking about it and kept thinking about how that wasn't going to happen, which is kind of fascinating in and of itself. Wouldn't that be nice? But that I thought that was going to happen, but it's probably not because it was just a couple of years ago. And then I hired a coach, Frank Kern, and I went to work with him and he was in alignment with $10 million. That's how much money he was making. Right. And I was in alignment with probably about $300,000. And when I started talking to him, I saw the difference in our vibration so clearly. And it was just from the thoughts in my head, creating the vibration in my body. And when I said to him, I'd love to make a million dollars, he was like, Oh, that's a good start. You know? And he was just so genuine about it that I really realized, wait a minute, like I'm not aligned with that result at all mentally, vibrationally, anything. So how can I expect to create that? Now, here's the thing. If I say I want to make $10 million immediately, most of my students, probably not your students because they know better, but most of my, most of my students would say, okay, how are we going to do that? How? I want to know the plan.
0: Now, I'm mine have to- gone beyond that. Yeah. They're like, okay, Jess, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mine are like, I need the steps. Yeah, I get it. That's most people. And that's really practical and very grounded in our current Newtonian state of consciousness yeah,
1: but let's think about that for me, okay, So I want to make ten million dollars a couple years ago, and I want to know how I'm gonna do that
0: by the way, you actually said this on the show before you had it. Oh, I did. Yeah, you said it's impossible, though. you say I'm gonna do the impossible. I think that's how you were phrasing it and turning it around
1: so now my goal is to make a hundred million. So will you have me back on the show when I make a hundred million just for fun? There
0: you go. We've got it recorded now.
1: It's recorded. But here's the thing when I think about how I got here. There's no way I could have planned the how. There's no way. I didn't even know what I don't know.
0: And that's what Abraham says. And that's what goes totally against Newtonian reality. And you know what the other thing
1: people say all the time? What do you say to your students to say this? So my students will say, especially with weight loss, they'll say, I want to lose a certain amount of weight because I have my whole overeating program, right? And I'll say, what do you want to weigh? And they'll say, I want to weigh 135. And I'll say, do you believe that you can do that? And they said, no. And I'll say, why? And they'll say, because I've never done it before. I think that's like the biggest problem that most of us have is of course you haven't done it before. (laughs) That's why you're going to do it. Right. We're so reliant on what we've already done and what we already know how to do that. When we start to believe in getting or accomplishing or attracting something that we don't know how to attract, then so many of my people give up because they need to know the path. Now, here's the problem with that. There are so many different ways to get to the result. So if you're aligned with it vibrationally and you believe that you will have that result, you'll try something and it won't work, but it won't matter because you're like, oh, I guess that's not how I do it. And then you try something, oh, I guess that's not how I do it. And then you try something, I guess that's not how I do it. And so it doesn't even feel like effort, right? It doesn't feel like, you're having to push yourself or grind yourself or take a bunch of action. You're just kind of following where the, I feel that I just followed where the world led me. Where can I create value? Where can I be of service? And as I followed those indicators, I ended up in the exact place I wanted to be. And it's like the most magical experience. I can't even tell you. I'm like, Oh my God, that was so much easier than I thought it was going to be.
0: All right. I want to go into this more, but I also want to highlight something you've just said, especially around the weight loss, because I have been, again, I'm like in my unicorn land. It's like, I think as a soul, I came into this going, I think in some level, if I look at this from like a little crazy view of like, all right, if I'm a soul and I've done this before and this is my new incarnation, what's making me so happy is going, all of this stuff just makes me so happy. And I just want to use it and see if I can play with the Play-Doh without moving my hands, right? I just want to see what can I do with not action. It's just fun for me. It's literally fun. So I'm not against enjoying action. I'll get a massage. I'll go eat a lot of macaroons and pistachio cookies and I'll drink coffee. Like I still take actions.
1: Wait, 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 Jess. What? This is what you just said. I'm not against action. I'm happy to go get a massage or eat some cookies.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is your version of action. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. That's my version of action. Okay, you know what it is? It's like you are Jerry and I am Esther. So I've listened to a lot of this stuff. Oh, I'm dead. I love it. (laughs) No, you're the, actually, no, Jerry's really powerful. What it is, is that Esther, like, I, I mean, to me, Esther's my, like life goals, hashtag life goals, Esther. Because to me, I was like, she has brilliance pouring through her and then she goes and lives beautiful life. And she's not trying to force herself to be any different than she is. She just is happy all day. And then brilliance forceworth. But Jerry, he enjoys the actions and the process of actually creating through action. So they've said this in one of the. I remember I was in Scotland and I was listening to this in my headphones. He enjoyed the process of the actions towards what he wanted. So more than Abraham said that he needed to, but because he got joy from those actions, he was taking them because that was part of his manifestation of joy, was the actions and the creating, the hands and the clay feeling. Now for me, I'm a little more like, okay, I'm like Abraham that says, you do wanna take action. Guess what? Your action, you guys, you wanna take is to enjoy your manifestations, not to actually force them into being. So that's where I say I like the massages and the cookies and stuff because I like taking action on the results of my manifestations, not as much in the process of the manifestations. But also that said, I coach for six hours a day in my classes straight with one bathroom break. Now that to some people would feel like massive work. I'm like the Tony Robbins of the online class world. I won't stop. But Those are only 16 days a year, and I get so aligned because it's in so much alignment for me that it's not ever work. Like, I actually felt like yesterday, after six hours and 22 minutes of coaching, the rhino asked, like, how'd your day go? And I was like, yeah, I didn't really do much work today. But other people would say, she just coached for six hours straight. (laughs) Who does that without a break?
1: Okay, so here's where I think you really, because as you were talking, I'm like, well, what about right now? Like you're at work right now. We're both at work right now.
0: Do you know how much fun I'm having? Like this might as well be a macaroon conversation. I would talk to you about this anyways. And I actually, if I liked playing soccer this much, I would be a soccer coach. Or if I liked like knitting or whatever. Yeah, I would be really proficient. Actually, I'm a very good solitaire player. You should see my solitaire skills. I'm so good at it. It doesn't get me any money, but it's a skill I have because I just love doing it. But I only do the things I love. And then I really just try to bask in the appreciation of the results rather than the actions that come to those results. Kind of, but
1: I almost feel like you're vilifying action a little bit. And you're talking about action being something that isn't something you focus on. And yet you take a lot of action. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because I think this is really important for your people who are listening, because I think there's a lot of people that are thinking the right things and wanting the right things and trying to vibrate it at that level, but they're not showing up in their lives, right? So you are, you're not forcing any action, but you're taking a ton of action, but it doesn't feel like action.
0: Okay. What is the ton of action besides the six hours of coaching and one episode a week on my show? Okay. Six hours of coaching. That's 16 days a year though. This is 365 for 16 days a year. I do that. But the rest of my year is one episode a week
1: this is my book. I only work three half days a week, too. But the three half days a week that I work, I go to work. But I never feel like I'm working. I never do either. But it doesn't mean you aren't. I think that we have to talk about this because I I, I think this is super important because I think there's a misunderstanding. And, and maybe you agree with what I think is a misunderstanding. So this is why I want to have this conversation with you. So I think a lot of people watch The Secret. They said, I just need to make a vision board and sit here and wait and it will all come to me.
0: And that is what it feels like. Yes. No, you get what you feel about. I talk about this on the show. It's not what you think about. You get what you feel about because your vibration is the neural peptides in your body, which is your emotion. So the emotions actually changing your physical body's signature. That's what's actually creating the difference in what you're attracting literally. So it's not you get what you think about. And that's where the secret I really think just like is a surface level explanation of something that didn't hit and land with people to understand the real principle here. It's not what you think you get what you feel about.
1: Okay. So I agree with that. So if you think about my model, your thoughts cause your feelings, your feelings cause your actions. So I would say what you feel about is what you do about, right? So what you're saying is you feel a longing to help people, to share this information with them, to coach them, to create products for them. So you can add value to their life is what I'm assuming. Right. And I don't know, I'm assuming that feels amazing to you and it doesn't feel like work. And it almost feels like it's crazy that you get money for doing that.
0: So what I'm really about, and I'm not against action, but I am against unnecessary action. And I've been personally, and this is not, I'm not like telling people to do this. This is just me, Jess, speaking about this, not me coaching someone on this. Cause the coaching, the alignment comes in them. Everybody has their own inner being that's guiding them towards the actions and the results and the paths that are right for them. But my joy has come from how much can I play with the Play-Doh without using my hands? And what I'll say with this is that I refuse to do things without getting the alignment first. So any actions I ever take are from the aligned place where they don't feel ever like effort. If it ever feels like effort, I stop and I go get aligned. And like literally I have been late on taxes because of this. I have answered emails months later. I have done ridiculous things that quote unquote shouldn't be done in our Puritan kind of work ethic society. I really push the boundaries of what Abraham says. That's why I call myself the Abrahamster of seeing if I can break all of these rules that our society lives under and says, this is only what's possible. You should, this is how you run a business, et cetera, et cetera. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I just think that like
1: there has to be a distinction. And I, and I think this is so easily confused between taking action at your own expense and taking action that energizes you, that contributes to you. But Let me ask you this, because this is kind of a, it's a little bit of a right turn, but it's kind of interesting. So I had a client come to me who has a lot of money in her life. And she basically said, well, I have nothing to do with this amount of money in my life because she had married into it. And I totally disagreed with her. (laughs) I said, I said, the amount of money in your life is because of the way you feel about money and the way you attracted it and the way you're aligned with it, regardless of which way it comes. So I was thinking as you were talking, and this is like, so awesome to think about. So let's say, so someone says to you, okay, I'm totally aligned with money. I totally feel amazing about money. Do I have to take action in order to get it? What would you say?
0: I would say the actions you want to do to be aligned will bring forth the thing. So, for example, let's like actually bring this down because you and I are talking about this, and it's great. Like, they're probably listening, going, "Well, that's great. She's got ten million dollars. That's great. Jess feels totally unlimited with <laughs> money. Here I am with two hundred people on my email list, and this is literally a situation I know of right now." Okay, there is a person I know that has dial back on their job, their day job, to two days a week. So they are just paying the bills. They're getting by. They don't have any more savings now that have run through that as well. And they have a 200-person email list, and they've been working on getting their online business started to help people online versus just showing up at a job. So this person's trying to do this work, right, this alignment before action stuff. And it's really interesting because my deeper questions are around sometimes like, Why is there so much resistance to doing the work that's apparently what the business is supposed to be? It's kind of interesting, but they're still trying to do it this way. And sometimes there's this feeling that if I just buckle down and do some work in this instead of just waiting till I feel like doing it, if I just take the action even when I don't feel like it, at the end of that, sometimes they feel better. This is the same people say this about the gym. Like just put on the shoes and go to the gym even when you don't feel like it because you know how good it feels afterwards. What's your thought on that? Because I think this might be where we may possibly differ a little.
1: Well, this has been a question I've been really grappling with over this past year because I have been teaching a lot about drinking and over drinking and how people get caught up in, you know, what I call buffering. So in overeating and over drinking in an effort to feel better. Right. In an effort to be in a more positive vibration, they're using chemicals to do it, which is fine. Like in my mind, I'm like, who cares? And and that's great. If there isn't a net negative consequence on the back end of it, if it doesn't end up costing you your vibration later. So one of the questions that I started grappling with was, okay, so if the whole point of our life is to be happy and if the whole point of our life is to kind of be in a mental state that produces the vibration of joy why not just hedonism? Why not just drugs? Why not just go towards anything that gives us that immediate pleasure? What is the reason why we want to, you know, kind of what what I would call evolve ourselves or take ourselves to the next, capability or the next level of growth within ourselves? And I think it's a really important question, especially as it applies to the law of attraction, right? Because the law of attraction is saying, get your vibration in that good place. So what is your thought on that of using chemicals or other substances or even pure hedonism to stay in that vibration?
0: Yeah. So to go back to my answer with the gym, for example, I... I'm different than most of the humans out there, <laughs> okay? What I'm going to say, and I teach this in my class, actually. Oh, this is so good. This is when I talk about alignment. So I would say don't go to the gym till you feel like going to the gym. And I know that you could circumvent. You can put the shoes on. You can go to the gym. You'll get the good result. And you'll say, Jess, I got a good result. I'd say you're still having resistance to working out. You're just finding ways to overcome the resistance rather than release the resistance. So I would say you need a little warm up first before the workout. So what I'd say is go do what feels fun before that to the point where you're launching yourself into the workout. Because when you're motivating yourself, well, that's the effort versus aligned inspired action. This is something that someone asked about, Tony Robbins versus Abraham. They went to Abraham and said, hey, I went to Tony Robbins. And he said, massive action. I've had many conversations with Tony Robbins coaches I know about this too. He does talk about peak state first. So he does say alignment before action. He used to apparently go to Abraham events too back in the day. So he does say get into a peak state. Then he says take a massive action. And Abraham said, you know, a lot of people don't understand teachers always to the greatest degree so they can be confused. But they said, when you take inspired action, it never feels hard, right? So I do take actions, like you said, but it never feels hard, and if it ever feels hard, I say, okay, I'm gonna go eat a cookie now. (laughs) Like, I'm not gonna do the taxes, I'm not gonna do the emails when it feels hard, but I will wind myself up from all these other joyful things to the point where it is the inspired action out of that aligned state to go do the podcast or go do the taxes or whatever that thing is.
1: Okay. So wait, you have to let me interrupt you because I might blow your mind on this. Okay. This is the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? This is my opinion. The reason it feels hard is not because of an alignment or disalignment in all cases. So for example, someone will say, I don't, I want to go eat a cookie. Let's use, cause you, you seem to like cookies. <laughs>
0: I do. I like pistachio cookies
1: very much. Let's talk about cookies. So there's eating a cookie from a place of pure joy and happiness and you want a cookie. And then there's eating a cookie from a place of resistance. And one of the things that happens to many of my clients is their experience in the moment is to be experiencing, let's say, deprivation or frustration or anger. And My suggestion is, and this is kind of something that I utilized for myself, where I think I interpreted a lot of the Abraham teaching in a way that really served me, was what if the art of allowing means allowing whatever is in the moment without resistance. And so what I realized, and I remember one time, I don't know if you remember Abraham saying this, but it like made my mind explode because i listened to Byron Katie a lot. And she talks a lot about child abuse and how like, we need to take responsibility, even if we are the ones that are abused and like people freak out about this. But like, I really understand what she's saying. I think it's a very fascinating approach to kind of study the way that she coaches people around that. And I remember Abraham saying something about somebody was talking about being molested and they were talking about how there's the act, the physical act of, of that experience. And then there's like the emotional story that we tell ourselves and the deliberate thinking that we have about it. And What they said was, when you go through an experience like that, physically, it's kind of like eating too many green apples. Have you heard them talk about
0: this? No, I've never heard the green. I don't know how I've all I've listened to so many of them three times, but never heard that one. Right, right. I remember her saying it's about that
1: uncomfortable, the the physical experience of it, like eating too many green apples. And I was like, what the heck are they talking about? Too many green apples. Like it's like that feeling of like ick and basically the thought about it. And so, and she was just saying, and you know, Esther was saying for Abraham is basically like, When you just let it be what it is in that experience and you don't create this whole story and you think about it in a more deliberate way, it doesn't affect us in such a negative way. And so when I started thinking about this idea of the art of allowing and I started thinking that sometimes we do have negative emotion and I believe that we're always the one creating it with our thinking. Like if you look at my model, we're always creating it with the thinking. But that doesn't mean that we immediately want to delete, (laughs) delete, right? And try and get rid of it. Sometimes we're feeling, we're sitting there, we're trying to lose weight. We want to lose weight. And there's some cookies sitting there. Now, a lot of times people would say, what I'm in alignment with is eating that entire plate of cookies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I used to do that. That used to be my life before. Yeah. That would feel the
1: best to me now. So I do that. And then afterwards I feel terrible or I do the heroin. And then afterwards I feel terrible. So one of the things that I've been talking a lot about is One of the reasons why negative quote unquote emotion feels negative is because we resist it. So I ask a client, I'll say, okay, so let's say the plate of cookies is there. If you don't eat it, you're going to feel deprived. You don't want to feel deprived. So you push against the deprivation, you resist the deprivation. What if you just allowed it, right? What if you just like opened up to it, allowed the deprivation to be there and didn't take any action, which is kind of in alignment with what you're saying, like don't take any action, especially from negative emotion, but also don't take action as a way to avoid negative emotion. What do you think about that?
0: I think definitely you have to accept where you are, but I also think we can recognize, for example, like (laughs) what I imagine from what you just said a little bit, and it's not bad, I think it's really wise and very powerful when people can do it. I don't know if our level of consciousness for most people is going to have the wherewithal to do that in all times. So yes, I think that is very powerful and probably the most effective. Do I think that's the easiest access point for most people right now? Probably not. And that they finding something that does feel good to them in that moment is going to help them lift their vibration. So yes, I think you can not resist the feeling. I don't want you to resist the feeling, but I also don't want to force yourself into the workout or the thing, whatever it is, that doesn't feel good. For me, it was the taxes, right? So like, I didn't force myself to go do the taxes because there was a deadline. I allowed myself to have that feeling Not force myself to go through the feeling so that then I did the taxes. I didn't actually do that. I went, because what it is, Abraham says, you know, there's the level of the problem and the level of the solution. And the level of the solution is a different vibration than the level of the problem. Now you can do this. And what you're saying is very wise and very conscious and very powerful. And people have the ability. To have developed the muscle to go in with consciousness, transmute that lower state, release the resistance, and like Abraham says, the cork will rise. Your your emotional state will come back up when you release the resistance. But they also say that by taking a nap is one of the best ways to take the resistance down. They don't say go do the taxes now or go think through this resistance, let it go, and then go do the workout. They actually say take a nap, meditate, or appreciate. Those are the three things they always go to. Go do something that is going to release. And really, if you look at the science of it, you look at Joe Dispenza, what they're saying is when you're in high beta, which is a brain state that's anxious and upset, that brainwave state is not at the frequency of your inner being, which is accessed through your subconscious, which is down much lower through beta to alpha and theta. Alpha and theta is where the subconscious is. Think of it as the paper towel roll you can talk to your intuition through. So when you get down to that lower state, you can actually access the wisdom that has the frequency of the answer to whatever you're resisting. And how, for me, as a practical example of the workout or the taxes, as my situation was, it wasn't even necessary. I could have just allowed and then whatever, but it wasn't even necessary. I could just go do things that felt good.
1: Wait, 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 wait. wait. I want to make sure it's not just allowed and whatever. This is what I'm saying. You don't want to do your taxes because of how you feel about your taxes, But the way you feel about your taxes is because of the way you're thinking about your taxes. Yes?
0: You know what? This is really interesting, Brooke. This might blow your mind. This blew my mind when this happened. And I now understand it more and more. Jacob Lieberman is this amazing, pretty enlightened, kind of a Byron-esque type person, had amazing insights in He's healed his eyesight with still having bad eyes, let's just say. He's he's seeing with his aura at this point, not with his eyeballs, which is pretty magical. So he said to me in the first episode he came on the show, people can go back and listen, and they will hear me break my brain when he says this. He's like, Jess, why do you want the things you want? Why are you thinking the thoughts you're thinking? Because I would say that I, and maybe I think you, do you think that you choose the thoughts you think? Do you think that you are the creator of the thoughts? I think, yeah, I think we can be okay. So he told me and I was like, no, delete. Like I couldn't even compute this. And then I started listening to Abraham and going, whoa, they're actually saying the same thing. I just never understood it before. So he goes, no, you're receiving the thoughts. He's like, these thoughts are kind of think of as a radio station and the lyrics are playing. You're not thinking those lyrics. The lyrics are coming through the radio and the waves are being interpreted and you're hearing the words. So you're not actually thinking the lyrics. They're actually being presented to you through the radio waves. So for you the $10 million. Where did that desire come from? And that was, this is where it broke my brain. I was like, no, I chose that I wanted to see clearly without the glasses. You could say, no, I chose I wanted $10 million. No one told me I needed that. That was me. He said, That was something you received into your consciousness, but you are more the observer of the thoughts and then you either accept them and take them on as, yes, I want $10 million or you reject them and you say, no, I don't want them, but you're not actually creating them. You're not actually the author of them. Okay, I disagree.
1: I think I'd interpret it differently than the way you interpreted it. So I believe that our desires are the map to the life we're supposed to live. So I do think that we do receive our desires. I do not think that we receive thoughts about not wanting to do our taxes. I think we create those all by ourselves.
0: Okay, go back to Abraham now. Go like listen to 4 hours of it and listen to them say, this is what I really because when he said this, I kind of honestly rejected it in my mind because it broke my mold of anything I'd ever understood at my consciousness to that point. Now, I've opened myself up to the possibility <laughs> that he was right because when I listen to Abraham they say, you're receiving thoughts. What thoughts are you receiving are based on the vibration emotionally that you're at. So when you're in a low state, you're receiving thoughts that match that state, which we think we're thinking thoughts that match that state. They say you're receiving thoughts. So when I get to that higher state, when I say, I'm not going to push on the taxes because I don't feel good about it. Right now, I'm at the level of the taxes are a problem. Now, the taxes aren't a problem. I'm just not at an emotional state where they're not a problem yet. When I get to that emotional state, the taxes are not part. I just don't agree with it. I mean, I I hear that
1: you do. I hear that, like, that's how you're interpreting it. You know what? Here's the thing. I don't think it matters the way that you interpret it or think about it if it works, right? Based on my model and the way that I approach something like that is... The taxes are a problem. Now, you're saying... No, 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 they're not. No,
0: no, no, no. The taxes were never a problem. Taxes are just taxes. There's just a judgment put on them that says, yes, they're a problem or no, they're not. In my emotional state, I was at the level of the taxes are a problem. So what I did was instead of going into it and saying... this is a problem, I said, I'm going to go eat the cookie. Now, I'm not avoiding it. I wasn't binge eating the cookie. Trust me, I've had five years of binge eating. This was not a uh, avoidance and like an escaping discomfort. This was me finding alignment. You could say they're very similar, but the difference was it was intuition-led rather than ego-led, where the past, when I'd eat like 12 cookies and feel terrible afterwards, that vibration would go down at the end. Like you said, my vibration after eating the cookie instead of doing the taxes went up and stayed up because it was in alignment with my intuition. And as I just kept doing things that made me happy, doing things that made me happy, eventually got to the frequency where the taxes weren't a problem. And I was like, oh, it's time to do the taxes now. And it was an inspired action to do them. Got it. I just needed to get my emotions to the place where that was no longer a problem. Instead of acting on it when it was still feeling like a problem, they were never a problem in the first place. I was just at the frequency of them being a problem. And instead of trying to force myself to release the resistance at the low level, I just went into things that got me to the high level and then I went off from there.
1: Got it. Yep.
0: And how does it different for you? Because I know it may not be how you would see it.
1: Yeah, I just think we see that one differently,
0: which I think is fine. Yeah. Let's say it's the workout, really. Because to me, taxes is my example of the workout. If I don't feel like doing the workout, I'm going to ease my way in to doing that by eventually, I probably is a part of me that wants to do the workout. I just want to wait till I'm leaping into the workout because I'm so excited to do it. And if I'm feeling like I'm doing it to get there so I'll feel good afterwards, you're not at the frequency of feeling good afterwards, right? Just like we said with money in the beginning, where you have to feel like you already had the great workout, and then you'll have a great workout. But For some reason, we'll say this about money. We'll say this about other things. But when we get to the workouts or the taxes or sometimes we end up saying, but not in this case, in this case, we just need to go do it and then we'll feel better.
1: Yeah, I would never say that. I just I think the way that we get into alignment is different.
0: Okay, how do you get into it?
1: I like to do the thought work, the deliberate thought work, because I like to know that I I create all my feelings with my thinking. And so by really becoming conscious of what I'm thinking and deciding and changing what I'm thinking on purpose, I have found that I can live a much more deliberate life versus trying to take action to change the way that I feel.
0: Can you give us an example with the taxes, how you would use your thoughts? And I'm not against using I love thoughts, too. But how would you think your way through releasing the resistance to the taxes so that you can go do them?
1: I would find out why I had resistance to them which in my opinion which is different than yours is because of the way that I'm thinking about the taxes right so if I'm thinking about the taxes that I don't want to do them for, you know, I'd ask myself why I don't want to do them. What is the reason why am I, how am I thinking about them in that way? And I I would pay attention and be conscious of that. So I think that, you know, I don't want to, whatever reason, I don't know what your reason was, but for, for certain people, like, and I've worked with a lot of people on this, they think like, it's going to take me too long. I don't know the answers. I don't want to have to look up all the materials or whatever it is, and then decide like, and I would have someone do what I call a model on that to understand how that's leading them to feel the way that they're feeling, right? And then to approach it in a way that is more deliberate and more conscious. I think a lot of times we tell ourselves we have to do things that we literally don't have to do. They'll say something like, I have to do my taxes. And that is a thought that we're thinking in our head that just, it's there, it appears, but it's not something we have to attach to. So I think just being aware of that and knowing that that thought, I have to do my taxes is causing so much resistance and knowing that you don't have to think that I think is, a, for me, and my personal approach and what I teach is that is more conscious producing than distracting or doing something else and not paying attention to what was causing. That.
0: Okay. So I have the difference in the perception. It's very subtle, our, our focus here. So you're saying that's the thought that's creating this feeling. I am at the approach of I'm feeling low at this moment. So me looking at the taxes from this emotional state is creating a low thought. Does that make sense?
1: Wait, wait, wait. Let me make sure I understand. So you think your feelings cause thought?
0: You know, this is a chicken or the egg thing that has been on my mind for the last two years, actually. Okay. That's fascinating because a lot of people think that. Yeah, I know. And I've gone back and forth. And here's what I would say. Does it really matter where the first Egg or chicken came from. The fact is, there are chickens and there are eggs. So the fact is, the world is spinning. So, like, the cycle's already begun. So, no matter where the original first egg or first chicken came from, 200 billion years ago, whatever it is, right? No matter what the initial, like when I was born, did I have, actually, no, when you were born, you had feelings, you didn't have thoughts because your heart gets created before your brain. So you are feeling your mother's feelings before you can have thoughts about them. So I guess potentially, if we're going back to the source, like, yeah, probably is feelings before thoughts, but either way, the cycle's created. So I wouldn't say that it matters whether the thoughts created the feeling or the feelings created the thought, but our approach out of it's slightly different. No, but just so we're clear,
1: I completely think that thoughts create feelings, period.
0: I do think that they do. But I also think feelings create thoughts as well. Because once you're in the momentum, this is what Abraham says, after 68 seconds or 17 seconds building up to 68, you've created momentum. And this is Joe talks about this. If you want to, it's a little science. So when you have the thought, it's like your neural network's firing in your electrical system in your brain. It goes to the hypothalamus and prints out a neural peptide. That's the chemical feeling of the emotion that is matching the thought you've had. So you're right, the thought is fired in the brain as electrical pulse that creates a neural peptide in the hypothalamus and then goes through the bloodstream into the cells, activates the cells. And once the cells are activated, you're physically turning the emotion into a physical feeling when it goes into the receptor sites. So those neural peptides unlock the keys to the cell walls. So if I was, feeling that momentum of that body from the thought. So I had the thought, I don't want to do the taxes that creates an all peptide of stress or cortisol, right? That goes into my body. Then I'm physically feeling those stressors. Now, Abraham says law of attraction, right? Everything's attraction. So once you have a physical feeling, you're going to attract more experiences that match it and also more thoughts that match that feeling. So Either way, if it's, it is, you know, could be the thought, but also once you're in that feeling, like maybe I was, I don't even know, looking back on this where it was, but maybe it wasn't just this, like, before I did the taxes or thought about doing the taxes, I might have been in my inbox and a little annoyed, like, I don't really feel like doing the emails right now. So it might have been some other thing that had created another thought on a different subject, may have gotten me to a vibrational place of not feeling like doing the taxes. Or like let's say someone wants to write a book, but they don't feel like writing the book and they're trying to go, do I force it? Do I go to the gym? All these things we, we say we want to do with our 5%, but we're not feeling the inclination to go, the inspired action to go do them. What I do is just recognize I'm at the level of this being a problem emotionally. Let me go change my emotional state. And once I do, that thing will no longer be a problem. And I will go see a solution to that thing. That's amazing because that's where the solution where taxes feel amazing lies is in the a new emotional state that I can get into. And it doesn't, I just, I guess what we're saying is I don't see that I have to transcend on this subject. And Abraham says this too. You, you don't have to go into taxes to release resistance to taxes. You can go go focus on your cat and be happy about that. And then come back and look at taxes in the super aligned state and go, okay, this is the solution to this. I don't even need to do the taxes. I just have my assistant do it, etc. Right? So the solution level, I believe comes from a new emotional place. Now you're using your thoughts to move yourself up that ladder on the same subject. I'm just saying you don't have to, but the ego, like you're saying you're trying to avoid people (laughs) to go to their ego. And the ego is like, let's go escape it by doing things that feel, in the long run, like let's go drink a lot or eat a lot or avoid in a way that's not actually conscious or intuition led. But I'm still leading through my intuition through to the next thing that does feel good and the next thing that does feel good and believe that my life can be that happy thing and taxes can be a part of it. It's just about once I'm in that happy place, feeling the perspective of that happy place around taxes. I would just say that
1: when you go and have the cookie and then come back, you have a different thought about your taxes that makes it different. So I think you're right. I think it doesn't matter whether the feeling is causing it or the thought is causing the feeling. My approach is that the thought is always causing the feeling and the thought can change when you do something different. But the only reason why I like to think about it this way, I mean, at the end of the day, who cares, right? But whatever works for you, whatever helps you create the life that you want to create and attract the things you want to attract and do the things that you want to do, like I'm 100% in, right? Like whatever. And I think the bottom line is the most important thing is, is are you paying attention? Are you conscious of what you're thinking and feeling and doing? And are you doing it on purpose?
0: Exactly. That's the difference between one cookie and 18 cookies, right? One cookie can leave you in a happier state than 18 cookies. There's nothing wrong with cookies. It's nothing wrong with chocolate. None of these things are bad. It's just how we're using them from the ego to lower our consciousness or from the intuition, which is just an extension of our consciousness.
1: Totally. I totally agree with that. Yeah, 100%.
0: Oh, my gosh. Do you want to hear a fun thing, which I think you're going to love? It's Joe Dispenza describing this about the body. Yeah. Okay. I think you're going to love this. Okay. So he talks about the body thoughts versus feelings and the cycle of that, chicken and the egg, right? He says, okay, fine. You you have some thoughts and they trigger certain emotions. But what ends up happening, is I said, you you trigger these neural peptides, these chemicals flooding your cells. What he says is that over time, the body adapts to its environment. So whatever you're constantly flooding it with emotionally becomes the, the climate for those cells. So you can live in a really wonderful, hot, tropical climate where you're just feeling really great. If that's like feels good to you, right? Or you can feel like you're like in Alaska and you're just like freezing yourselves with um, negative emotion. I'm, I'm just using hot and cold in these ways as an example here, but your body will adjust to being a happy person or will adjust to being depressed. It will adjust the cells Adjust to their environment, just like a child adjusts to the environment of their family. Right? Everything is a climate of sorts, and it's an emotional climate. And these cells, once they become very adept at a certain set of chemicals that they're getting fed regularly, so it could be depression or it could be elation, but whatever they're consistently fed with, they then will die off because our body's replicating, right? So then they'll replicate and they will make a new cell, and there'll be a new. Our body's regenerating; these cells are dying off, but they're choosing when they re replicate the DNA, they're choosing based on their environment what genes are read. This is epigenetic research shows that you can trigger certain genes to be read on the blueprint that is our DNA. DNA is not a destiny, it's a blueprint. And based on how the environment of that cell is experiencing day to day on a consistent basis, it's reading the plans in a certain way. So if you're stressed, you're pulling the genes that are less strong. They're weaker genes. You could activate things in your genome that have negative repercussions you don't want. And when your body's in a beautiful, holistic, positive, stable response consistently, that will trigger different genes than the stressful ones because the environment is actually influencing the builder, if you think of the cell in this case, choosing what to build based on the plans that are in there. So there's kind of like everything, there's a lot of stuff in that genome, but it's not triggering every single thing in the genome at all times. This is why cancer is not always in our body if we have that gene. It's only when it's triggered and activated by the environment of the cell. So what he says is that over time, the body gets used to the feelings it's getting. And it actually, this sounds so counterintuitive, you think the cells always want well-being and though they would love that to thrive. They also get adapted to the environment, just like a child or Stockholm syndrome gets adapted to whatever its experience is and begins to crave it because it's familiar. So what he says is that over time, you can think a lot of thoughts and you'll get a very consistent outcome in your emotions. But he said, when you wake up in the morning and you haven't even had any thoughts, your body is going to start craving certain emotions, even if they're Bad, so it will start asking you your body will start craving the feelings it 's used to and will ask your brain to produce thoughts to create the chemicals it 's used to craving and having in its body. Does that make sense? So your body actually becomes your brain yeah, I, mean, I have this
1: experience with anxiety, like I talk about this a lot, like I think it was because of my childhood was constantly anxiety producing. I wake up and it's almost like my brain, I, it's so funny. I tell the story about how my brain will like try and find, explain the anxiety, right? It'll be like, well, maybe you shouldn't have said that thing you said yesterday. And I'm like, nice try, buddy. Nice try. So yeah, um, I, I'm a huge fan of Joe Dispenza's work, and I like the way he talks about how you can literally uh, the terminology that he uses that I think is fascinating. We can become addicted to emotions, and I, I would say watching, and I'm sure you see this with your clients too. It's like watching clients just always come back, and and we call it their webby. It's like their little webby of their little story that they love to tell because it is so familiar, and even though it's awful and it feels terrible, it's such a huge part of their identity. And so that's why I love the name of his book, like breaking the habit of of being yourself basically. Right. It's like, how do I stop being this way? Because I don't want to continue to be this way. I think it's so fascinating. I think that, like you said, we're just on the cutting edge of learning about all of this stuff, all of our emotions and our thoughts and how they relate to the universe and our environment around us. I think we're just barely scratching the surface.
0: So I think what we coming into is the thoughts or feelings that are causing things. It's also often sometimes the body is just used to feeling a certain way. So it's going to help us to feel comfortable. And interestingly, thinking about Gay Hendricks and the Big Leap book, he talks about the upper limiting problem. And he said, you know, you're, you're used to a certain thermostat in your body feeling a certain way. And then you find the ways to bring yourself back down. So... That's, I guess, those are some ways of looking at potentially for me where I go into feelings and trying to change the feelings by doing other things. Because I don't think I had a big story around taxes. I just didn't feel like doing them at that time. And then I was like, I'm just not going to push myself and tell the story that I have to do anything. Like, I'm going to do this from joy. And I know it will happen. It's not hard. I just want to have that emotional state while doing it. And I have found some really cool experiences where I focused on the emotion first and getting that alignment before taking the action. And it didn't always come through uh, needing to go through the resistance. Like Abraham says sometimes, like, don't go back to find the original source of why you feel a certain way about something. Now, I'm not always like into that because I think sometimes like RTT or or Theta Healing, I think that sometimes subconscious beliefs looked at and released within an hour is not a bad thing, not a bad way to spend time. But at the same time for little things like taxes like i don't i don't know i didn't need to do it a different way i still got there i guess
1: yeah i think a lot of our problems would be solved if there wasn't so much resistance to what i call the other half of life you know i feel like a lot of what makes Negative emotion, quote unquote, negative is our resistance to it. And I actually think this is a problem that's become worse and not better as we have become more comfortable in our lives, right? There's so many easy ways to get a quick fix or feel good in the moment that I think we have lost the skill, literally the skill of making discomfort comfortable. I know that sounds so weird, but like for me, when when I'm in a situation where it's like I'm physically uncomfortable or something, like if I resist that and make it so much more uncomfortable versus just like really allowing it to be what it is, that has increased the flow in my life. I think more than any other thing that I've ever done. And I think that was such a like mind blowing shift for me to be able to just be in what is without all the resistance and without all the judgment, whether it's quote unquote, positive or negative.
0: It's so funny you say that. It's uh, As Flo would have it, I was actually bringing a cup of coffee up to my bedroom up the stairs. And the ceramic was very hot right before this caught literally. And I literally did this. So as an example, it's very practical to what you're speaking of. Normally, I'm pretty sensitive to Sound into temperature like that, like hot like that. I normally wouldn't touch the cup if it was really hot, but as I was carrying it with my laptop, I didn't really have a way to shift my hands holding it. So as I lifted it up the staircase, I had the realization, like you're saying, I could label this as uncomfortable or I could label this as sensation. And I remember my friend Gregorio telling me the story of his life. He had a really ex- intense stomach pain that was some of the worst he'd ever had. And he just, transmuted it by going, I'm just gonna experience the sensation without the label. And it actually turned into an like almost orgasmic experience for him that was like an incredible transformation. And I guess I was thinking a little bit of that. And I just said, wait, I'm gonna just feel this without the story. And it was strong. I could say that the feeling was strong, but it was no longer actually painful as I stopped thinking of it as hot or painful. It was just an experience. So I actually just literally experienced that. But at the same time, I'm just more like the Abrahamster of like, I'm going to see if this really works. Like, can I go do things like pet my cat and eat a cookie and read books and then wait till I feel from those places like launching into things? And so far, no matter what the crazy ass thing it was that I'm like, I don't think I can really get away with this now. Like, this can't really work if I really wait until I feel like doing it everything's fine, more than fine, usually, and actually flows in a beautiful way. I could never have planned for that timing that seems so far off to have become so divine. It was usually the timeline I originally thought, and it didn't happen in. I thought, oh, now it's bad. Now it's off kilter. It's actually in the flow. So that's part of why I don't push these things and try to necessarily overthink, like, now I need to do it now. I just need to release the moment of it now. It's just, I believe it will release naturally when I'm in a different emotion emotional state. And as I do that, I'm just finding the timing of things so weirdly, magically perfect that it's still confirming, I don't know, for me, it's still working, I guess.
1: Okay. So what do you say to your clients or to people who follow that philosophy? And they're like, I don't do anything I don't feel like doing ever. So I never get anything done.
0: Well, the thing is, you're going to feel like doing the things that are most important oh, you know, this is great, because I think of this with like mothers and like children (laughs) crying in the night, right? If I don't feel like getting up to go like feed my child in the middle of the night as a newborn, you know, then I wouldn't. Abraham says this too, your inner being knows what you want. At the deepest level, you want to care for your child. It would actually feel worse for you to lay in the bed listening to the child cry without feeding it. So even though there may be some level of discomfort and frustration in the fact that you're doing it, the deeper discomfort is in not doing anything. So you have to trust that like the things that are most essential are going to get done as long as you tend to your vibration. And what you're described so beautiful, that is if I I wouldn't get anything done. That's to me, not true. You'd be bored, which would cause contrast, which would make you want to go take an action.
1: Oh, but I have so many clients that that's why they come to me, right? So they're coming to me and they're like, I really want to have a business. I really want to lose weight. I really want to stop drinking but I can't motivate myself to do any of those things. So is what you're saying is they don't really genuinely want those things or?
0: They're not tapped into their intuition about those things. That's the problem. Most people are being motivated to actions from their ego rather than their inner being. And this is the level of awareness that does need to be cultivated, whether they're taking actions like I am, like eating the cookie, or if they're doing what you're doing, where they're just thinking through and releasing the resistance with thought, there has to be awareness. Awareness is essential. If they don't have awareness, they're unconsciously doing things with their ego that are detrimental to their inner being's desires. Does that make sense? So I tell people they can eat chocolate in the morning, go watch YouTube, go watch the Netflix show that you didn't finish the night before in the morning. Now they go, oh, the ego wants to say, but then I would watch all the episodes and I'd lose my job where I'd eat the whole chocolate bar and I would never eat anything healthy the rest of the day. Those extremes are unconscious behaviors. What I am saying is that when you are fully conscious, you can enjoy all the pleasures of life without the detrimental reactions because you're Coming from a conscious state of awareness and true well-being. Because the true well-being, I was binge eating candy and Snickers and all these crappy foods, and I wasn't enjoying them at all. There's no emotional well-being or state. Even while I was eating them, I was just checking out. I wasn't flowing upwards on the emotional scale, and then i just feel even worse afterwards. None of that was conscious. So most people don't have consciousness that then allows them to enjoy things without overdoing it. Yeah. And I
1: totally hear what you're saying. And one of the things that I'm working on in my life that I think has like really, I don't know, for me, like the Chardonnay thing, I don't know, I don't know where we were last time on this, but um, for me, being able to find my way to a higher vibration internally rather than externally has really changed my ability to show up in the world the way that I wanted to, because I'd always been able to find something outside of myself. I I always laugh with the overeating thing because it's, they're always like, instead of overeating, take a bath. I'm like, how many baths? If I took a bath every time I wanted to overeat, like I should just stay in the bath. But and so, what I realized is that there are things outside of us that can provide us with pleasure, right? So, there's the experiences that we can go do that can provide us for, with pleasure, but then there's also the internal work that we can do that can provide us with pleasure. That alignment, in terms of, you know, for some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's, you know, finding a way to watch their thinking without attaching to it. There's, you know, and for the work that I like to do is like, being able to be aware of the, of what I'm thinking and to change what I'm thinking on purpose. Like I never even knew that that was possible.
0: All right. Okay. What you're describing now, I, I see it. I see what we're talking about. Unconditional alignment versus conditional alignment. That's what you're describing. So what you're doing is, this is where, I okay, I didn't realize the label and understanding of where we said, but I was right when I said, what you're saying is very true, very powerful, and ultimately, a I believe, a, like a more of a ninja level than like your beginner karate class. So the beginner karate class can go, can go like, if you're just learning the kicks and you're just getting this started, like you finding something else, a path of least resistance to go do something else and feel aligned because of a different condition, but not out of alignment, not overdoing it. Okay, let's let's not drink the whole bottle of Chardonnay or the whole cookie case or whatever. Instead of doing that, if you go find another condition to focus on that matches the frequency you wanna feel, you can arrive at that frequency and then from that, level of the solution of feeling that good you'll be able to approach the other things that feel that good and you'll have the taxes feel good as you do them you're describing unconditional you're saying i'm not going to look at any conditions other than the one i'm looking at right now or whatever and i'm going to feel what i want to feel without changing the conditions so yes and abraham says too that's the next level of all of this but it's just harder than the first level of finding a different condition to focus on because we're focusing beings Yeah, I totally agree with that. I I think it is more challenging, but I think it is a skill too, right? Oh, yes. Yes.
1: Like when I know that there isn't any emotion that I'm not willing to feel, but I'm not going to resist it, then all of a sudden there's nothing I'm not willing to do, because the only reason I don't want to do something is because I'm afraid of how I might feel in doing it. Right. And so if I'm no longer afraid of feeling failure or feeling rejection or feeling scared, if all those feelings are allowed in my experience, then all of a sudden, and this is what happened to me. And you know what really happened for me when I stopped drinking completely? And it wasn't like, like, here's what I teach. I don't teach that you have to resist the desire to drink. I teach you have to understand where it comes from and then totally release it because it's so easy not to drink when you have no desire for it. Right. For me, I kept telling myself, I want to not want it. I want to not want it. And then I got to this place where I just genuinely didn't want it. I just genuinely was willing to feel restless instead of drinking then. And only then did I feel the total freedom of that internal control and not having to rely on that substance outside of me. And so I think for me, looking at it that way has served me at the highest level. And I think it's just the way, you know, the way I think about this, Jess, is like there's all these truths out there and it's like how do you put them in a language that serves your life for you? You know what I love about it is that we can all have the same teachers and interpret it all in a way that, like, makes our life work at the highest level. And, you know, I teach and you teach and people are taking our teachings and interpreting them in a way that serves them. I'm 100% for it. like. Listen. If you're like paying attention to your life and making an effort to make it better, I'm all a hundred percent in. Right? That's my jam for sure.
0: Yeah, I love that. Actually, it's funny now that I'm seeing what our conversations really been about at a, at a broader level is like, oh, conditional versus unconditional alignment. So I have a class flow with intention, which is great. And you can get, I have tried and I've seen re- amazing results doing the level one. You can get everything you want. I really have found from the ability to focus on what is wanted versus what is unwanted in your conditions. But the next class I'm teaching, the advanced course to flow is going to be called magic, not manual. And that's what you're talking about, which is the unconditional alignment, which is finding that feeling place before the condition appears in your life and not waiting and using visualization, all these other techniques. So yeah, I think you're doing an amazing job. And obviously you are very far along in this too, but it doesn't mean people can't learn this. It's just the skill of that, I think, is even easier to apply when people have cultivated the ability to find positive feelings from the easier level first. Because if they're coming from the difficult ones and they're not very comfortable and find don't really know how to feel happy, if that's not a familiar response to their bodies, I think that's a harder jump than if they're already familiar with how to be feeling good. And that's a very familiar emotion to their body. Then when they're using their mind to trigger those emotions in the body, the cells are more receptive to it because they're more used to it. So I think finding a stable state of a core desired feeling, some people have really calm states of joy. Some people are really curious in their joy. I get excited. That's my core like f- default joy feeling. But I can now because I've cultivated so much in the conditional area, the steps of like the physical reality, I can now think my way into that feeling without much effort. I love that you described it. You're just describing something I would say that's a little beyond maybe a step one, but it's totally a path to it for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's been the most profound, like, I I think mental construct that I have adopted that's really helped me is that there's nothing like what Abraham teaches is that you know we're always trying to move up the ladder of our emotions, right? And the highest level of vibrations are going to create that the highest level of attraction. But there's nothing wrong with not being there yet. And as soon as we start resisting the negative emotion, like and I love the way they describe it. They're like you want to change your thoughts so quick to so change it so quick, which of course makes it worse. And so that was it for me you want to delete, delete, delete. Totally delete, 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 delete. Yeah. And I remember I, I tell the story a lot where I was sitting with my husband and he was having a scotch and I wanted to have a glass of wine, but I really didn't want to have a glass of wine. I was kind of over having glasses of wine. And so I was like, okay, here's my choice. I can either be restless in this moment or I can have a glass of wine. And the difference for me was just resisting the restlessness or allowing it. And I always think about the art of allowing that terminology that Abraham uses. And I'm like, what if I just allowed it? and didn't react to it, didn't respond to it, just allowed it. And of course, then it completely dissipated because I had some gentle authority over it. And so I I think that for me has been kind of the way that has been most effective and, and approaching that and just realizing like all of my happiness can be internal. It doesn't have to depend on anything external. Then I'm like, what?
0: That's unconditional alignment.
1: Yeah. Then all of a sudden, what happens is, and this is like a great way for us to end too, because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think a lot of times we think that what we are kind of attracting in our life is not something that we're actually producing. But what I have found is that the more internally aligned I am, the more I'm actually producing the exact things that I wanna attract in my life from that place of internal alignment versus trying to find the things out there that are aligned with my internal alignment. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and that's why I'm sitting here saying, I just wanna be as happy as I can. I'm doing fun things that make me happy to get there. But out of that, all of those other things that I may have thought I needed to take more action on are coming to me without effort. So right, when I said earlier, I don't. Now can I, I think a lot of people are gonna be left hanging if we don't address this quickly. Do it, yeah. Ten million dollars, girl. If it wasn't about the how,
1: how did you do it? It's not about the how, right? It never is about the how. And even now, on my way to a hundred million dollars, I look at what I'm creating. First of all, I'll tell you what's the most magnificent thing about it. This is something that all of our teachers talk about, but until you experience it, you don't really know what they're talking about. Once you arrive at a result that you have already been attracting, it's not exciting.
0: No, it can't be. It can't be because it's already a part of your reality. You have to feel that. Exactly right. You already are it
1: before it appears visually. So once you look in your bank account and you have $10 million, you're like, oh, yeah, of course I have $10 million. It's not like it's not like winning the lottery. We're like, oh, my. It's just like, oh yes, that is where I've been aligned with this result and now it is manifested. So I think that that's been the most delightful thing about it. And here's what I mean by that is you feel it in your bones in such a deep way that it's almost like, you know, it's in a FedEx package on its way, even though it hasn't arrived yet. And I think that truly is the how, and people will be so annoyed by that because they'll be like, no, no, give me the steps, like did you do a Facebook ad? Did you, did you write some copy? Right. And yes, it was like all of those things, but those are the least important things. It's all the intention and the belief that was behind it that actually created that result. And this is the crazy thing. And I know that you can probably relate to this too. It's like, once you've created a million dollars, like I remember when I created a million dollars in a year, I was like, Oh, it really is just about how aligned you are. Like, there's no way that I could have, drummed this up with my effort. And then you're like, why not 2 million? Why not 3 million? Why not 10 million? Why not a hundred million? And for me, it's all just about being an example of what is possible when you're fully aligned. And I'm like, why not make a hundred million dollars as a life coach? How fun would that be? And then people would, this is what I think people might pay attention to what we're learning and teaching, which I think is the secret to the universe. So that's where I think the money becomes kind of an interesting play not so I can go buy a bunch of jets.
0: Yeah. I know, right? Actually, so I'll give a little story of an interesting way of, I have really not even bothered making the goals towards money, and I just noticed as as I get, just like you, that unconditional alignment, as that's all my focus is, and you know, I like to eat some cookies instead of taxes sometimes. That's fine with me. But uh, as I do that, my business tends to, as I look at it, double and double and double every year. So as one day I was just like, man, I used to make goals and I'd barely get them. Now I'm not making any goals and I'm doubling my business without even trying. Dying in any effortful way, this is amazing. And as I was thinking, as I brushed my teeth one night about what that next number would be, instead of that number, be, well, that was what I was contemplating with my consciousness, all of a sudden, the word 7 million dropped in my head. I was like, whoa, like, where did that come from? Because I already feel limited. Like, like, yeah, I just, it came, it, I received the thought. So it wasn't, and I don't know where that, you know, what frequency or what entity was sending me that number, but that was not in my consciousness. That's more like 10X, you know, the number I was thinking. But when I thought, I heard that number, I was like, oh, fun, because I'm so relaxed because I don't need it because I already feel unlimitedly abundant. As I thought about that number, what actually came to mind was not the jets or any of that stuff, because I don't really care. For me, it's all about premium economy or maybe going going up to business class for a a flat lay coming from Sydney. That would be nice. But like, that's all I need, a flatbed, all right. That's where my manifestation is. I don't need the cashmere blanket in the jet. That's not gonna increase my joy that much. I don't care. So it's not what I'm focused on. But when I thought about the seven million, it was so interesting because like you said with your coach, you're like, he was vibrating at a very different level. I was like, wow, what would I vibrate at? And then I thought about all the little niggling feelings or thoughts or insecurities that I had in my life. Like one of them was like, I don't really like taking photos of myself lately. So I was like, well, if I had $7 million, I wouldn't be worried about that. So what I did was I went and did theta healing, which is one of my favorite fun modalities to release subconscious beliefs. And I just was like, well, I wrote a list of the things or basically a mental list of the things that I wouldn't have at $7 million in my frequency. And I just deleted them all for $600. I worked with someone over several sessions and just deleted them all because I was like, I don't even need to have $7 million. But what it helped me think about was what I'd vibrate at, not because I need the money, but because that quality of life that I'd have was actually something that was inspiring to me. And I was like, oh, I don't need to be there to have that. And that obviously is releasing resistance to getting to that frequency, but it's still not about the money.
1: Totally. It's just fun. I just think it's all super fun. Like, here's where I'm at. I'm like, when you understand how to interact with the universe, which is like so cheesy to say, but it's so true. You can genuinely create and contribute in any way you want. You can weigh whatever you want. You can stop drinking. You can stop overeating. You can create as much money as you want. You can help as many people as you want. You can buy cars for people and donate as much money. Like all that stuff you can just do. That's what Abraham to me has always been talking about. Like it's just supposed to be the most fun ever, like the most fun ride. And that's how I feel now. When I'm not dependent on anything outside of myself, then I can just contribute and make magic.
0: Yes, I wanna think about people that are stressed out like the person I know that's got two days a week and they're not feeling the alignment to work on it, okay? The biggest difference between that person and what we're describing is that we see money as fun and they see money as stress. And if that person can shift that perspective, And actually, it was very interesting. They had a realization the other day when they're my age, so they're 32, 33. And when they were 24, they were working at a job six days a week, making probably three or four times what they're making now that they've pared their income down to as low as possible just to pay the bills. And they said they wanted to early, have an early retirement and be able to do what they wanted to do and have total freedom and live in a one bedroom apartment. This is like the vision this person had. <laughs> and then this person realized in a recent Abraham video that they were actually living that right now. They have the total freedom. They could do what they want when they want. They have a one bedroom apartment. Is it the apartment that they want? Is it the financial? state that they want? Not yet, but they're living the life that they had said that they wanted to outside of that aspect. And as they appreciate and live and bask in that rather than be stressed by the money, things are going to open up and that alignment, that emotional state of well-being will go from stress to joy. And as they get from that joy, the inspired action that is in alignment with the how of the design, that, that path of flow for them and that business will become clear.
1: Yes, I totally agree with that. This is what I always say to my clients after clean drinking water. Everything else is just a bonus. That's our right? If you have clean drinking water, you have so much to be thankful for in this world. And so many of us are so beyond that, that we forget to like, just be like, everything else is just for fun. Really? Don't you think? I mean, it's just, or it can be. I shouldn't say it's just for fun. It can be just for fun. We can just enjoy every single second of it.
0: Absolutely. I've got a keychain from Abraham's Cruise. It says, life is supposed to be fun. Now, you can make any belief true for you with law of attraction. It will reflect to you. If you say life is hard, life is a struggle, life is for suffering, life is for service, life is for whatever, you can make that true. So you create your own reality. I just personally choose the Abraham keychain as my reality that life is supposed to be fun so fun. Thank you for coming on the show, Brooke. I love you. And thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Talking to you is so fun and making $10 million is so fun and helping people that are listening to this is so fun. I love it all.
0: And there you have it, Brooke. Thank you for coming on the show again. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to send Brooke a message, you can do so over on Instagram at Life Coach School. And if you wanna find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C. as in Castillo Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to com slash Castillo. Before I share what I'm up to next, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software for creatives and business owners that want to enjoy their bookkeeping as much as they enjoy using their favorite social media site. FreshBooks has truly, 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 truly made it so easy to do your bookkeeping and track your expenses and do your invoicing for whatever your small business needs are. I have really enjoyed it, not only as a podcaster sending out sponsorship information invoices and having my bookkeeper keep track of our online class sales etc but also when I was doing a design project it was really easy to track my hours and bill my clients for that and so many other use case scenarios that you may need as well they also have a great mobile app which is awesome so as you're on the go you can see how much your accounts receivable is aka how much money you still are getting in your invoices whether people have checked their invoices and actually viewed them or not and you can send them back to them easily through email or through snail mail as well. Give it a shot by going over to freshbooks.com lively. That's going to give you a free 30D trial to see if you love it as much as I do. Now for what I'm up to next, again, the secret project. I'm doing a great little session on visioning and intention setting for it. It's been flowing like magic. I would say hotcakes, but it's not selling it. So we'll get to that part when we get there, but the magic of this project is truly unlike anything I have ever been a part of, and it's been so fun to see all of the people that are a part of it be so aligned and excited about it as well. And then on a personal note, I am in the market for sofa pillows, an entry print, And some living room chairs. So, in terms of my decorating and the evolution of a new lively home, that's what I'm thinking or trying to, you know, visualize, manifest, and see in my home next. And until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.